0: Welcome to Modern Steel Construction's Monthly Field Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Weisenberger. This month, we're talking with Holly Noveletsky, CEO of Novel Ironworks, an AISC member fabricator in Greenland, New Hampshire. Um, Also an AISC board member and a judge for our most recent Ideas Awards. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, And Holly is also a Jero uh, Psych nurse practitioner. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Perfect. (laughs) Excellent. Jero Psych, we'll go into that a little bit. Welcome, Holly. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Excellent. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot to talk about, um, uh, not just fabrication, but uh, let's let's start with uh, the nursing side of things. Can you tell me a little bit about your history and the profession and how you got into it?
1: I started out in um, college actually going for engineering uh, back okay. in the 70s, and it was a time where you could do a 2-2, a 2-3 program. So, you do your first two years, undergrad, um, mm-hmm. getting your prerequisites out of the way, and then you transfer over, And at that time, I was the only woman in the program. And it was just, there was not any any camaraderie. It was a very difficult time. Everything was scaled. Um, I can remember being so happy. I got a 9 out of 10 on my quiz. And I failed because it was scaled. Wow. Um, And I went home one time. And I had to get my wisdom teeth out. And I had a student nurse. And I thought, oh, I can do that. (laughs) So I transferred into the nursing program. And it became my passion.
0: What school? Where where did you study? I
1: I transferred over to Rush University in Chicago, and I got my bachelor's at Rush. And then from there, I went to Boston University, and I got a master's in geriatric nursing and became a a geriatric nurse practitioner. And after that, I liked school, if you can't tell. (laughs) After that, I went to BC, and I got Mm -hmm. my doctorate in nursing nursing research and then after that I went to MGH Institute for Health Professions and I got a post uh, master's certificate in psychiatric nursing and combined the geriatric and the psych and became a geropsych nurse and I specialize in home care for people with dementia Um,
0: well that's great and so I mean it sounds like most of your uh, you know education was back uh, back East Uh, I'm just curious what how did you get to Chicago how did you find your way here
1: It was on my way home from Lawrence University, which was in Appleton, Wisconsin. So Ah, I was moving back east.
0: Gotcha. Slowly making your way, right?
1: But Lawrence had a a 2-2 program where you do the two years at Lawrence and then the last two at Rush. So that's how I got to Rush.
0: Now you're the CEO of a steel fabrication business. Uh, How on earth did that happen?
1: Uh, Well, my dad started the company back in 1956. and All, all the, the uh, kids—my sister, myself, my cousins—we all worked in the business growing up. Mm-hmm. We were either the blueprint girl, the blueprint boy, the errand girl. Um, and then, while I was in nursing school, I worked in uh, estimating, and uh, the computer room data inputting. So I've always been in the company on some mm-hmm. level. Um, and then the last couple years that my dad was alive. I would have coffee with him every day and we would talk about business and his his philosophy on business and how it's evolved and how the steel industry has evolved. So I always knew I'd be here and I was always here on some level, but it became completely full-time after his death in
0: 99. You sounded like you'd always eventually be back at the shop. I have to ask, early on when you decided to go into healthcare, I'm assuming he was supportive of that, but was he, did he also seem to want you... Did he did he know that you'd be coming back into the fabrication business or did he think, no, nope, I lost I lost a, a daughter to another field, so to speak?
1: My dad was the best. He was my biggest supporter. And he always said I could be anything I ever wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And even as a little kid, I can remember getting into a fight with someone. I was like six years old because they said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, I'm going to be a bunny rabbit. And They said, you can't be a bunny rabbit. I said, my father said I can be anything I want when I grow up. And that's what I want to be. So when I went into nursing, he was, he was very supportive of it. I was the first in my, my family to graduate college. So anything that had to do with education, he was very supportive of. He also knew that when he passed, because he had been working on his, his transition for 10 years before he died, because he had heart disease. Oh. So he'd been working on it for 10 years and he would say that to him all you really need to know is read a financial and how to fire somebody uh, <laughs> and, and don't mess it up that was his part of it. don't mess it up oh <laughs> right. uh,
0: yeah I, I was gonna say one of my questions was what's the most you know best or most memorable piece of advice from your father i was don't mess it up was that it
1: now, that was one of them. we used to we call them Ralphisms, and um he had a bunch of them that that just would always stick with you. Okay. Um, yeah. But that that's that cool. was his parting advice to me. He also said to me, which sticks a lot lately, is that if everybody likes you, you're doing something wrong.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And this is because in times throughout your life, you have to draw a line. You have to make a stand for what you think is right or wrong. Uh-huh. And if you draw a line, then somebody's going to be on the other side. So that was one of the ones that's always stuck with me.
0: Well, so you obviously you learned from your father, and from what I understand, um, you are uh, your son is uh, taking over the business at some point. Is that correct? Correct. And so he's been in for at least ten years now. Okay. Okay. What's interesting to me is you've got your you know this advice is passing down through the generations. are you are you finding? Uh, are there are there hollyisms? Uh, you know, since you had the Ralphisms, or are you kind of going? Are you going a lot with uh, passing along a lot of the same, uh, you know, um, advice from your father, or and or and/or tweaking it, so to speak? I,
1: I think the one that I try and pass on the most to him is that because it was a hard the hard transition for me was mm-hmm. my father was an extrovert and I'm an introvert. Okay. And people would come to me all the time and say, "Your father would be doing it this way." And it took a little while right. to realize that you know I wasn't a, I wasn't failing, I just wasn't him, and they needed me to be him. But if I was him, I wouldn't be true to myself.
0: Of course.
1: So I tell my son, you have to make it your own. Sure. Make the business your own. Put your own mark on it. Bring to it what you have as your strengths, because they're not the same as mine, and mine weren't the same as my father's. So make it your own. Make a okay. mark.
0: Yeah. On that note, was your son, you know, was he excited to get into the business from the very beginning? Did he was he like you, where he knew he would eventually be be uh, working in the family business, or did he did he have other interests early on?
1: We didn't think he'd be in the business. He, from a very young age, was into the bicycles, and he worked wow. for um, a local bike company, Bicycle Bob, who took gave, gave took him under his wing and really. I think Bob had planned that he would buy him out and that would be his retirement was Josh taking over. And Mm -hmm. we all thought that was gonna be the route. And when Josh finished college, he did his, he he bought a van, pimped it out. He was gonna go around the country, down South America, Central America rather um, surfing. And he got to California and he was downhill mountain biking and he shattered his arm he had to come home for surgery and rehab and when he came back he spent some time in the shop and he loved it he loved the guys in the shop he loved the work and he never left
0: with uh, novel ironworks how many can you tell me a little bit about the size of the business i mean it's a family business but when people hear that they always think small but i uh, how, how how many employees do you have
1: so novels going on third generation with my, my son, and we have approximately 100 employees, you know, fluctuates some, especially now with COVID, but about 100 employees. Um, we also have uh, Rose Steel, which is our erection company and miscellaneous iron, and that's mm-hmm. another 40 odd employees.
0: Okay, excellent. Yeah. Um, so can you, can you talk about some of the, you know, is there a big one main challenge or a few challenges with running a family business?
1: A family. Yeah. <laughs> Family, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a huge responsibility having a family business. Not speaking business wise, but but in the family. I mean, family members um, really take pride in it. And I know my aunt; it's, it's everything for her. And she asks every day. She's ninety years old, but this is the family that she grew up in, and. Mm So it's a lot of pressure that way. I had a sister. I have a sister. I had to buy her out when my dad died. Luckily, my son is an only, so he won't have that same pressure. But because it's family, and many of our employees have worked for three generations of my family now, so they're family to us. So it's sometimes hard to draw that line because I know their families. I know three generations of their families. We have... um, Employees here who worked three generations, uh, many two generations. So when they have issues at home or in their families, it's hard to draw that line because they're family to you too.
0: Sure, sure. It, it sounds like one of the you know bl- blessings and cur- not curses, but just one of the interesting uh, elements of a, a family business is that the family is much larger than you ever thought it was going to be.
1: Yes, it is, and it just it keeps extending out. And my father used to say in another Ralphism: you no longer need a business degree; you need a psych degree because it's all about managing the personalities.
0: Well, that's good that that, that falls perfectly into your training. And <laughs> I was going to say ask on that note. So, was there anything? I mean, that you could apply from the nursing profession? Like you 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 did that for years, and then you came into the manufacturing world. Um, was there anything from nursing that kind of Helped prepare you, or that you that you apply on a somewhat somewhat regular basis in your in your role there at Novel Ironworks.
1: There are two ways. Well, first, it gives me balance because if we don't get the job, at least I know nobody died. I mean, it's not life threatening. Um, I think it helped a lot with getting through 2008 and and even mm-hmm. the COVID experience, especially the mm-hmm. COVID experience because I took over the nursing piece of it for the company. I I monitored all the COVID compliance issues, I monitored what was going on in our community, I monitored this, every everyone who had a symptom, I physically laid eyes on them and followed them up at home and, and put the guidelines on them. Um, but when my dad died and I came in full-time, I knew I didn't have the technical information, the technical background that many people in our industry had, mm-hmm. but I needed to make a mark. So sure. I looked at nursing, and I, I know that nursing is a profession of advocacy. We advocate for patients. So I thought, well, I mean, I can apply that to steel, and I could advocate. So that became my focus is the political aspect. And at that time, it is, again, the foreign trade was a big issue for me.
0: Sure. Speaking of advocacy, uh, I'm going to ask you to advocate for your company a little bit. What maybe is your most particularly interesting project that you've had or one that you're the most proud of? I'm sure you're proud of all the projects that have come through there, but in your time with the company. But is there one or two maybe that stick out in your head that you're like, wow, that wasn't that was I love this one or wow, that was fun. I never want to do it again. You know, something that just kind of sticks out.
1: But we have a project now with Moriarty in Boston that's, it's a side plate job, okay. which is really, really challenging for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, it's just so much welding,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, 27 miles of welding for a small shop like ours. Wow. Um, so I'm real proud of the guys. They do a great job. Um, we have wonderful people in the shop. They really take pride in their work. And it's it's amazing. This is our second side plate job. And the first one fit up beautifully. That was mm-hmm. several years back. I think but uh, as far as jobs that stick out in my head mostly it's it's growing up with my dad and everywhere we went throughout New England he'd say, I did that building I mm. did that building sure. I remember when I did that one and it was it was like he was mm. so proud to be able to say he put he put a lasting impression on our our community and he was so proud of that
0: Well that's what and that's another parallel between the two professions I feel like you can you know you have a tangible product that you can say you did, and it's the same with patients. You can say, I helped that person. I advocated for them, yeah. Right. On that note, um, so I understand you still keep a small um, uh, nursing practice, is that correct?
1: Correct. I haven't seen patients, well, now with COVID, but so probably since late winter, uh, early winter. Um, But I do uh, keep a very small private practice of people at home who are homebound with dementia and they can't okay. get out and they have psychiatric issues or mm-hmm. mental health issues i'll go and see them at home
0: okay oh that's great i was going to say how do you how do you juggle that with uh you know working with your role at novel and everything else do you sleep
1: i do sleep and so i'm not seeing them every day um, oh, sure. and i can schedule it around my schedule okay cuz they're home
0: Gotcha. Well, very good. Um, you've talked a little bit about uh, the current pandemic, and of course, it's hard. It's hard not to. So, have you? It's and it sounds like you've done some some work there uh, at at the shop, uh, just kind of keeping an eye on your employees. Uh, has it Has it affected? Has the pandemic affected Novel's business?
1: It hasn't affected um, our bidding business, but it has affected our production because, as our knowledge of COVID evolved and the list of symptoms increased, Mm -hmm. I would monitor anyone who who called in sick. And uh, anyone who called in sick, I would call them up and ask them what their symptoms were, or I would walk the shop and see if anyone had symptoms. And if they had even a slight symptom, I would put them out for the two-week quarantine period. Now it's down to the 10 days, three days resolving, but... Because i didn't want to take the chance of somebody bringing it in if somebody brought it in and we had an outbreak then we would be shut down but luckily um and we have a fabulous governor governor sununu mm-hmm. when they were talking about shutting shutting the state um i could i texted him and i said please keep us open there are three fabricators in our state and between us you'll keep the over 300 people off off unemployment and he texts me right back and he goes absolutely i'll double check and uh, we were allowed to stay open thank god because not only the business wise but mental health wise sure Pe- and people were saying because i kept such a tight eye, a tight eye on everybody um symptom wise people, somebody said to me i feel safer here than i do at home
0: that's a, that's a great thing to hear i mean not maybe not for home but i mean that's that's a that's a testament to yeah, yeah some good work there so so uh, on that note, have you have you been uh, doing any COVID-related work outside of uh, outside of the shop?
1: Yes, I have um, volunteered. The state has a uh, program, New Hampshire COVID Alliance Senior Support Team. So most of the COVID, as you know, is. Um, a having the worst effect in our long-term care facilities sure. so this is a program it's not necessarily through dhhs but they coordinate with dhhs and we monitor every day all the facilities uh, in to monitor for outbreaks and for supplies for ppe because ppe became extremely difficult to get and it's still very expensive and being mm-hmm price gouged, Um, and then we monitor to make sure that if they do have an outbreak that they're getting the proper guidance on that. So I'm doing that. And then the governor set up the Gopher, which is the governor's office for economic recovery and relief, that
0: $1.25
1: billion that came into the state for COVID relief, and Mm -hmm. um, he asked me to be on the stakeholders advisory board, so I I have been participating in that.
0: Excellent. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about your experience on the stakeholder uh, stakeholders advisory group? Um, is is that something that kind of meets on a regular basis?
1: We just finished up a meeting uh, probably about a week week or two ago. Mm-hmm. It was meeting twice a week, two to three hour conference call because of the COVID. You can't meet in person. So the state got one point two five billion dollars for uh, a federal money for the state for economic relief due to COVID okay. and the governor set up this board, it's the Gopher, the governor's office of economic relief and recovery. Right. And then there were two subgroups. There was the legislative group and then there were the stakeholders. So people from the community uh, that sat on the board. And then we we listened to people from the community, different sectors in, okay. um, the, of industry to get their impact, their financial impact from COVID uh, and being closed. Right. and then we made recommendations to the governor on how that money should be spent and in which different sectors it should be go to and how it should be distributed which channels
0: okay well, holly thank you for being here
1: thank you so much for having me